Do you believe that? It's true. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. And uh, I want to tell you, man, the, uh, the devil and his cohorts have fought me tooth and nail this week. Uh, I've had the most difficult time getting this message together uh, this week. And so I, I just expected that God's got a blessing for you today. Even this morning, I realized I had one of my slides was out of order. I was like, what's going on here? But uh, it's not for lack of preparation, I promise you. Let's review what we studied in chapter 12. We saw a great sign. Uh, There was a woman uh, clothed with the sun and the moon uh, under her feet with a crown of 12 stars. And who's the woman? Israel. Then there's a man-child. He's going to rule the world. Called up unto God. Who's that man-child? Jesus Christ. There's a great red dragon. And uh, his tail drew a third of the stars. Who's the dragon? Satan. The dragon is unsuccessful in devouring the child. Just like that song they were singing just a few moments ago. Satan's power broken by the the cross of Jesus Christ. He's unsuccessful. The child is called up to God. Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. The woman, who is Israel, flees to the wilderness for three and a half years where she is nourished. There is war in heaven. Michael and his angels expel Satan and his, uh, his demons. They, Satan is cast to the earth. And now he's going to vent his fury against the woman who is Israel. So in chapter 12, we read about Satan's hatred of the Jewish people. In chapter 13, we're going to learn about his instruments that he will use to bring his wrath on God's chosen people. How many of you know the devil uses people? God does too, but the devil uses people. And we're going to talk about one of those people uh, today in our study. So, (coughs) Revelation 13 And let's stand, if you would. Verse 1 says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded. And all the world wondered and followed after the beast. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask Preacher Larry Allen if he'll pray for me this morning. And pray for all of us to hear. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us to church. All right. Well, we have been talking about uh, this, this beast that's coming out of the, the sea. Now, the early church knew about uh, the beast. This was not a new concept. Uh, John talked about the Antichrist, and Paul talked about the Antichrist, <clears throat> and Jesus talked about the Antichrist. 
So, Mark, if you would, I'm going to get you to read some of these scriptures off of the board here. Um, and if you'll give me just a second to comment, comment on each one. So, 1 John 2, 18. 1 John 2, 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. All right. So uh, it is the last days. The spirit of Antichrist is already here, but he's more than a spirit. The Bible says that the Antichrist is coming. The early church believed this. All right, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now, it's interesting. Paul is uh, talking to the Thessalonians. He was only there, uh, Chuck Swindoll says, maybe a total of three months. And in those three months, he taught them everything about eschatology. Can you imagine that? And how long have we been in the book of Revelation? Since January? So shame on me, right? But Paul had taught, taught them about uh, the, the end times and the Antichrist. Now in Matthew 24, Jesus tells the, the uh, Jewish people, that the Antichrist is going to stand in the, the Holy of Holies in the mid-week of the, tri- the mid-part of the tribulation. Matthew 24, 15. Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. All right. So the New Testament says that Antichrist is coming. Okay. And it's not just a spirit. So how did they know that the Antichrist was coming? Thank you. You get a hundred gold star. Daniel told us. So let's go to the book of Daniel. Let's go to chapter 7. Now in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in his dream, he sees a statue there's a head of gold, there's chest of silver, there's uh, brass and uh, the hips, and, uh, and then there's the legs of iron, and then there's ten toes that are made of, uh, they're a mixture of iron and clay, and Daniel interprets those symbols for us. But we're going to go to Daniel 7, but I've got all these scriptures on the board, I will email them to you if you, if you want them. But we're just going to look at Daniel 7 uh, particularly um, to, to get some, some clarity about these seven heads and the ten horns especially. Daniel chapter 7. All right, Mark, would you read verses 1, one through 8? Daniel 7, 1 through 8. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man. 
and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. And this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came, upon, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. All right, thank you. So, most commentators agree that the first uh, beast is Babylon, the lion. The second is uh, the bear, is Medo-Persia. The third is the leopard, which is Greece. But Daniel is concerned about this fourth beast. This fourth beast had how many horns? Ten horns. All right, now Mark, would you read verses 17 through 25, same chapter. All right, 17 through 25. These great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces." And the ten horns out of his kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words again or against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change time, times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time, and times the dividing of time. All right, thank you. So this fourth kingdom is different than all the rest. And uh, it's, it's, Daniel keeps saying it's different, it's different, it's different. All right, so um, go back to Revelation 13 now. Maybe hold your place in Daniel. I know I told you too late, didn't I? Okay. Oopsie. <clears throat> but we may go back there. 
But it's absolutely essential to know what Daniel says to, to understand this. Now, I'm sorry that red doesn't show up too good on the, the board there. But in Revelation 12, 3, we saw a dragon, a great red dragon. And he had uh, seven heads, ten horns, but where were the crowns on the dragon? They were on his head, right? When you get to Revelation 13, you see the beast, and he looks similar, but with him, where are the crowns? They're on the horns, aren't they? So that tells us that this is the, uh, this is the end time empire. This is the, the final uh, ten king confederacy that Daniel talked about. So go with me to Revelation 17 and we'll understand the seven heads. Revelation 17. Now in 17, we're not there yet obviously, but uh, John's going to get a description of a harlot that's riding a scarlet covered beast. All right, Mark, would you read Revelation 17, um, verses 3 through 13? Revelation 17, 3 through 13. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple, and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon, the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration." And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen. And one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was, and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which hath received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. All right, so the, the symbols are interpreted for us. Who are the seven heads? Well, he says five of them are fallen. So we've got Egypt that fell. These are the empires that were hostile to the nation of Israel. Medo-Persia fell. Excuse me, Assyria fell. 
Babylon fail, Persia fail, Greece fail, and, and notice the, uh, the angel said to John, one of them is, that's, that's ancient Rome. That was the power when John was alive. Okay? Now he says there's coming another one, and that's the revived Roman Empire. This is the, the, um, the ten king confederacy that's coming. Now go back with me to um, Revelation 13. I said, y'all sure do a lot of flipping pages here in this church. I know. How many of you are getting more familiar where books of the Bible are located? <laughs> I know I am. I was like, oh, that's where Malachi is. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I knew it was. Uh, Revelation 13. <clears throat> now notice he says, uh, verse 1, I stood on the sand of the sea. Now sand... Is, uh, uh, stands for innumerable things. And he said, I saw a beast rising up out of where? The sea. That's the same place Daniel saw the, the beast coming up from where? The sea, right? The sea is an idiom for Gentiles, the Gentile nations. And uh, <clears throat> Revelation 17 tells us that the waters are peoples and tongues. Now this beast has seven heads, and ten horns, and on his head ten crowns, diadems, not Stephanus crowns, ten diadems. And, his, and on his head is a what? Blasphemous name. Um, pop quiz. What is blasphemy? Speaking against the Lord. You ever notice nobody, um, nobody ever takes Buddha's name in vain? You know, nobody hits their hand with a hammer and says, oh, curse Muhammad. But they curse God. Why, why is that? It's because Satan is the ruler of this world, and he hates God. Um, but blasphemy, in its truest sense, is attributing uh, divine attributes. When Jesus, the Jews wanted to stone Jesus. Do you remember why they wanted to stone Jesus? Because he said he was God. So these emperors are claiming to be godlike. All right, verse 2. The beast he saw was like a, a leopard, his feet was like a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. So let's look up on the board here, and you see this creature. He's a composite of all the world empires. By the way, this statue was outside of the, U the United Nations in New York City. They put this out here for a time. And I just thought, wow, could it be any more in your face? The United Nations is the united nothing. You know, they censure Israel more than any other governing body in the world. And do you know, I found this interesting in my research this week, that these uh, one world government think tank people, and they're, out, they're all out there. World Economic Forum, Club of Rome, uh, all, all these oligarchs, all this, this, this mess. Do you realize that they've divided the world into ten regions? And United States of America, Mexico, and Canada are region one. 
And I began to think this week, and I thought, you know, you know what's so crazy? Is no other country does border security like we do. You can't go over to another country and just barge in and just, you know, get benefits and all that kind of stuff. You can't do that anywhere else, but you can do it here. And I thought, God, why is it that we do that here? And it's because we got a bunch of globalists in our government. And I think they know that we're going to be region one, and they don't care if you're in Mexico or if you're in Canada or if you're in the United States of America. And it all starts making sense after a while, doesn't it? Now look, I'm not here to worship uh, politicians, and I'm not here to defend Donald Trump, but I'll tell you why they hate him. It's because he's not a globalist. And all those turkeys up there, they're all in bed with all these foreign dignitaries. Money going all over the world. And all these guys want a one-world government and, and ten regions. And that's why the world is as it is, folks. And I didn't get that off Fox News. I, I got that by having a brain. All right. So what's the future of the United States of America? Well, I'm going to give you the best case scenario, which is unfortunately worst case scenario. The best case scenario for us is we're one of those ten regions under the control of Antichrist. Now this is my hope. My hope is that the rapture is what makes America just a, another region, you see. We, do you realize we're the only thing standing in the way of one world government? We're the only benevolent world power. And these folks that hate America, you better hope to God that God gets, gets some of these people purged out because there is an antichrist agenda that wants us to be just like all the other nations of the world. Well, guess what? All the other nations of the world, they're not like us. You see, they weren't one nation founded under God's principles, right? And if they're given the chance, they would rule over us. You think China for a moment wants to coexist with us? If they could, they'd rule over you in a heartbeat. If Russia could rule over you, they'd rule over you in a heartbeat. And you could insert any name of any country around the world. And if they had the power and the ability that we have, they would subjugate us. And you better remember that when you go to the voting booth in November. You better remember that. I'm not going to vote for anybody that's pro-abortion. I'm not going to vote for anybody that's a globalist. I'm going to vote for somebody that's got biblical values, okay? And, but, but listen, no matter what happens in the election, God's in control, folks. He is in control. No matter who's in the White House, God's on the throne. All right, this political segment is over. We're getting back to the text here. All right. But that's the best case scenario for us is we're one of the ten kings. That's pretty sad, isn't it? How Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I'm hoping the rapture is what takes care of that. I'm hoping the rapture is what taking, is, uh, takes care of that. All right. Notice it says that the dragon gave him his, author, his authority. You see that? The dragon gave him his throne and his authority. Now here's what the Bible says about Judas. Luke 22, verse 3. Mark, let's give folks a break from hearing my voice. I want you to read that off the board. All of these are going to be on our overhead here. Luke 22, verse 3. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Judas was possessed by who? Satan himself, not some demon. Is that what your Bible just says? 
that Satan himself entered into Judas. And that was when he betrayed Christ. It's interesting, when it comes time for the big job, Satan gets involved. Um, John 17, 12 is Jesus' high priestly prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And notice when Jesus is talking about Judas, how he refers to him. All right, Mark, would you read that? John 17, 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. All right, so Judas is called by Jesus the son of perdition. And Judas was possessed by who? Satan. Okay. 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Paul says that there's somebody else that's got the same name. Would you read that? 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for they that for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Go ahead and read the next verse too. I'm sorry. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. All right, thank you. So you notice he's not just a spirit, he's a man. He is a man who claims to be God, and Paul calls him what? The son of what? Same thing that Judas is called. Well, I'm not a detective, but I'm going to connect some dots and say that I believe that just like Judas was possessed by, the, by Satan himself, that the Antichrist will be possessed by Satan himself. And that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? All right, back to chapter 13 of Revelation. Verse 3, I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled after the beast. Well, is this, is this a personal uh, wound that's healed, or is it a, a, an, an empire? I think it's both. I think it's both. Verse 4, they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. Who do they worship? What does it say in verse 4? They worship too? The dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. That's what he's always wanted, isn't it? He's always wanted to be worshipped. And they say, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? This is language reserved for God. Who is like God? Who is like the Most High God? This is relate, uh, the language of worship here. Verse 5. Notice it says he was given. This is the sovereignty of God. He's given a mouth, speaking great things and what? Blasphemies. And given authority to continue for how long? Or two months. Three and a half years. Notice the emphasis in the scripture about um, the mouth. He's given a mouth. That's one of the key features of the Antichrist. We're told more about this particular part of his anatomy than anything else. His mouth. Daniel 7, 8 says he's got a mouth speaking great things. 
Daniel 7.11 says, The voice of great words, the horn spake. 7.20, he's got a mouth that speaks great things. Verse 25, he shall speak words against the Most High. Are you seeing a pattern here? Daniel 11.36, he magnifies himself. 2 Thessalonians 2.4, he exalts himself. Now go with me to Daniel, uh, well, I'm sorry. He blasphemed, we're still in Revelation 13. He opened his mouth and blasphemed me against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Who's that? That's God and who else? Us. But he can't touch us. Reminds me of that MC Hammer song. I won't sing it. <laughs> Anybody have any pants like MC Hammer right there? All right. It was granted unto him to make war with who? The saints and overcome them. Now be careful here. Go with me to Daniel 7 again. If you held your place, you're glad you did. Now somebody's going to see this and they're going to say, oh boy, he's making war against the saints. The church is here. That means this is not the church, folks. This is not the church. Don't get old McDonald theology. You know, here's the church, there's the church, everywhere's the church, church. It's not the church. Notice he said it, that he's making war with the saints, not with the church. You say, well, why is he doing that, Henry? Well, I think it is a deliberate allusion to Daniel chapter 7. Mark, would you read verse 21 there? Daniel 7, verse 21. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. All right. He's using the language of Daniel. Now, Daniel 70 weeks pertains to who? The Jewish people and the holy city. It does not pertain to the church. Daniel didn't see the church in any of his visions because the church was a mystery in the Old Testament. So how many of you know that not all saints are created equal? You've got Old Testament saints that Daniel knew about and then you've got church saints, which what what we are. Uh, some of you say, well, I'm not a saint, I'm an ain't. Well, we can change that today. We can change that today. All right, Daniel 7.25, would you read that? Daniel 7, 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Thank you. So I wanted you to see that the, the language of saints is used here, but notice he wants to change the times. Wonder why he might want to do that. Well, it's because he knows he's only got three and a half years left. And he's in denial, I believe. But it's a deliberate attempt to rewrite history. It could be that after the rapture, the Antichrist does away with the seven-day week. You know, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know. But it says he's going to try to change the times. That's what it says. Now, remember the context of this. This whole thing, this whole passage, is about the woman 
and the dragon is after the woman, and these are the two vehicles that he's using, the beast and the false prophet. We'll talk about him, next, not this next week, but the week after that. So this has nothing to do with the church. All right, let's go back to Revelation 13 now. Revelation 13, 7, it was granted to him to make war with who? The saints. That's the same language Daniel used because he's talking about Old Testament saints. He's talking about Israel. He's not talking about the church. And to overcome them. Now, how do I know he's not talking about the church? Because Jesus said this about the church. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, the Antichrist is going to prevail against the saints. That can't be the church because Jesus said he can't prevail over me. I said he can't prevail over me because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And authority was given him. Notice again, he's getting everything from God. Even though it seems like all hell is winning, God still got him on a leash. And it's only for three and a half years. And he's going to be given authority over who? Every tribe, tongue, and nation. That would include the United States, folks, if we're still here. So you want to know what the history of the nation, the future of the nations are, you're looking at it. So you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here during this time period. Uh, you know, there's this foolish idea that a lot of people have that they're going to survive the tribulation period. Or we're going to store up a bunch of water. We're going to have a whole pantry full of beanie weenies. And, and, you know, if we got our generator, you know, you're eventually going to have to buy gas for your generator. Hey, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a generator. If your power goes out for a few hours, you'd be wanting that generator, amen? Right? Especially in the summertime. I'm not saying you shouldn't have some flashlights. I'm not saying that you shouldn't own a gas mask, even though I, you know, I don't have one. But I'm not saying you shouldn't have one. I'm not saying you shouldn't do some prepping. It's a good idea to have medication on hand in case some natural disaster happens, right? It's a good idea to have some water on hand. But this foolish idea that you're going to just ride it out through the tribulation period, that's naive. It's foolish. You ever wonder why they're launching all these satellites in the sky? Well, Elon Musk just wants everybody to have high-speed internet. Get a give me a break. There's all these satellites in the sky. You know what those things are going to be used for? Monitor every activity. You, they're doing that now. You don't believe it? I'll take a picture of you and put it on Facebook. And in about two milliseconds, you'll get a notification. So Henry Haney just put a, a picture of you on Facebook. Because they've got photo recognition software that's so advanced that you're not riding out the tribulation period. So get... Just get that out of your head. I don't know why I keep saying that. Somebody needs to hear it. Somebody's mad right now. I can feel it. Because you've got a whole basement full of beanie weenies. Bon appetit, my friend. Bon appetit. One more thing. Lord, help me. You ever notice that in the letters to the church, Paul never warns the believers how to survive the tribulation period. 
In the letters to the churches, there's no mention of the Antichrist. Don't you think that if the church was going to go through the tribulation period, Jesus would have given them instructions just like he did the Jews? He gave the Jews an instruction. What did he say? When you see this, run. But he doesn't do that for the church, does he? Why? Because we're not here. That's not our concern. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm not looking for Antichrist. Let's go back to Revelation 13. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Okay. I guess it's just me. Verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth, notice the earth dwellers show up again, will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is a technical definition of the earth dwellers. The earth dwellers in Revelation are the ones whose home and affection is on the earth. You and I are not earth dwellers. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. My citizenship is in heaven. My name is written in heaven. I am a stranger and a pilgrim here. I am not an earth dweller. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not an earth dweller. And they're all going to worship this guy. And I'm here to tell you, you and I have no idea how deceptive this is going to be. It's going to look... I want you to pay attention over the next few weeks at how Satan is attempting to counterfeit God. You've got an unholy trinity. You've got a dragon. You've got the beast and you've got the false prophet. You've got a, a mock resurrection. The Antichrist is killed and he comes back to life again. All of these things, you, you've got, and, and I could go on and on, but just, just pay attention to that, please. Revelation, see, we are, we, we're, we're given a promise. Mark, would you read off the board there? Revelation 3.10. Now, this is Jesus' promise to the church at Philadelphia. But you can apply it to yourself, too. Revelation 3.10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. The tribulation is for the earth dwellers. It's not for the saints. Of, of the Most High God who are bo of the body of Christ. I better clarify that, hadn't I? Because Daniel's got saints. It is not for the church. It is for the earth dwellers. Now back to Revelation 13, the last two verses. Revelation 13, verse 9. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Here's one more little deposit in your uh, pre-trib rapture savings account. <laughs> when Jesus writes to the seven churches, every time he finishes writing those, uh, speaking to the seven churches, he has a phrase that is repeated. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the... Say it louder. Churches. Now in Revelation 13, 9, do you notice anything that's different? 
There's no church, right? He just says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Why is that? Because the church ain't here no more, my friend. Church is gone. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, the evidence is overwhelming. And yet you've got these knuckleheads on the internet saying that the church is going through the tribulation period. And it just boggles my mind. And I know why they do it. And they say, well, uh, you know, people have suffered all throughout the ages. Yeah, that's true. But this is the wrath of God. And we're not appointed to wrath. We might still be persecuted, but we're not appointed to wrath. All right, if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. He who, and this is our last verse, I promise. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience. Some translations will say the perseverance. It's that Greek word, hupomone. It means to bear up under difficult circumstances. And my, oh my, what a difficult time this is going to be for the people who are alive. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, why does, why does the Lord say in verse 9, he that has an ear, let him hear? He's saying, I want you to pay attention to this. Now, I know some people say, well, if it's not for the church, why is this even in the Bible? That's a, logic, that's a, that's a fair question. If the church is not here, why even put this in the Bible for the church to read about? Well, let me explain something to you. <laughs> even though you and I are not going to be here, there will be a group of people that are, will be there. And they're going to need this information. So don't, don't, uh, don't get confused because you're reading instructions that are not for you. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? This is for the people that are alive during that time. Do you notice, don't you find it odd that we're not even introduced to the beast until Revelation 13. He's not in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. There's an allusion to him in chapter 6 where you see a white horse rider making peace and conquering. And then Revelation 11, there's a beast that comes out of the abyss. But this is the first time. And not until Revelation 13 that we're even introduced to this beast properly, formally. Why? Because he's not our concern, folks. In the church age. But there's going to be a group of people who need to know this. And here's what they need to know, guys. That's why he says, he that has an ear, let him hear. And they need to know, because during this time period, if you're a believer, you are going to be killed if they can find you. The only ones who are protected during this time period are the Jews who have flown to the rock city of Petra. They're the only ones who are protected. Anybody else is fair game and I don't care how much food you've got. I don't care how many supplies you've got. They're going to find you. And you will be killed if you name the name of Jesus Christ. And this mark of the beast, I believe it's going to be a... We'll talk about that next time. Not today, okay? We've, we've fried enough fish for one fish supper, right? <laughs> but this, I believe this is going to be a conspicuous mark. And if you don't have that mark, then... You're going to be shunned by society and you won't be able to buy anything. That includes gas for your generator. Okay? That includes batteries for your flashlight. You won't be able to do anything without that mark. Here is the patience of the saints, he says. He says, you're going to have to die. That's what that last verse, verse 10, is about. If you're a believer in this time, most likely... 
you're going to have to give your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just what the Bible says. But what God is saying is, even if the beast takes your life, the dragon will not be victorious over you. Because to be absent from the body, if you're a believer, is to be present with the Lord. Even in death, the believer is victorious. The ultimate victory. Brother Philip, I was thinking about Mike Austin this morning and I was getting ready. He's one of the first funerals that I did when I came here and that's when me and Philip got to be good friends bonding over that time period. And over those weeks of his illness as he was uh, battling cancer, he was the most victorious cancer patient I believe I've ever seen. And we sat up there and, and Brother Hal and some others, I think Gary Carpenter, I don't know if he's here today, but he, uh, we were up there singing and playing guitar with Mike. And Mike knew that his departure was imminent. He knew it. <laughs> and he just kept saying, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You know? And when we did his funeral, we realized something is that he didn't lose his battle with cancer. He gained the ultimate victory. He gained the healing. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You say, well, Henry, what's heaven like? I don't know, but Paul goes on to say this. He said, I'm in a pickle. I'm in a real, that's not what he says. That's what I translate it. He said, I'm in a real straight here, I think is what the King James says. I'm in a pickle. I've got a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. You say, what's heaven like, Henry? I don't know, but I can sum it up in two words. Far better. Far better. Would you stand? The key question is this. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? You know, you and I might not ever live to these to the time of the rapture. I believe we will. I believe that we're living in the last of the last days, but no man knows the day or the hour. But one thing I know for sure, everybody's going to stand before God one day. Everybody in this room, your life is a vapor. We're here for a little time and then it vanishes away. John says this, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're saved. And don't leave here today without knowing that you're saved. That trumpet could sound any day. And when it does, there's no going back. There's no second chances. It says in 2 Peter, give your diligence to make your election and calling sure. If you don't get anything else right, get this right. Settle this one thing in your mind to know that you are saved. And if you're saved, it doesn't matter what happens to you. The devil can kill you, but you're going to be victorious in death. You must be born again. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And he says, if you'll repent, if you will believe the gospel that he 